0: Have you ever been in a situation where beliefs and actions don't seem to line up and it causes this confusion? It causes this fog. It causes this piece of like, I don't actually know what's going on. I don't know what to believe. You might come up with different stories or different ideas or different thought process or different things you're telling yourself to justify those two opposing thoughts. And cognitive distance is where you're stuck in a hard place in between a rock and a hard place of not knowing do i believe his words or do i believe his actions do i believe his words or do i believe his actions do i believe this or do i believe that oftentimes then people come up with a third story a third version of the reality to be able to work through what's going on so that it's justified so that it feels better so it doesn't feel as uncomfortable and they're able to move forward in that process Okay, but we wanna break it down today. I'm gonna to give you five examples today of cognitive dissonance and also trying to work through some of the pieces of how do we actually combat this. So hopefully we'll have time to jump, jump through all of them because I've been going long recently, not sure why, but we'll dive in. So if you guys are new here, Ben Taylor, self-worn narcissist on this channel to help people understand narcissistic abuse and ultimately break free i help people break free from trauma bonds from cognitive dissonance from the rumination the intrusive thoughts every single day and we do that with the challenges that we focus on and the people that we coach so inside some of those challenges you can access that at rawmotivation.com or you can grab a one-on-one with me so we can see if you're a good fit for some of the communities that we do offer so diving in, red flags in the relationship. Let's talk through some of this piece, and let's talk through some of the aspect of cognitive dissonance. One of them is just ignoring these red flags. Okay, ignoring these red flags for the sake of love, and I want to talk to you about balancing love and reality. Okay, when we start ignoring red flags in relationship to hold on to this idea of a perfect partner. People will run into this where they're visioning and thinking, like, hey, I'm going to find the perfect person. We're soulmates were connected and you're deeply invested in this relationship. It can be hard, especially when the narcissist is charming or and manipulative. You're like, ah, which do I actually believe? And you start thinking, like, hey, this is the perfect person. Let me ignore the red flags. You see the difference? So you're like, this is someone that feels good, that seems good, but there's these things that keep popping up, but I don't know. They're fine. Let me let me go with this part okay it's trying to believe the one reality that you want versus the reality that's actually there getting to the place of dealing with the facts is better than dealing with the fiction or the emotion piece of like wow this feels so great we're so connected but in reality you're ignoring red flags okay making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy but you know what is going to aruba All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. A lot of times people will ignore red flags in the relationship to keep the relationship going because it feels so good, because it seems so amazing, because the sex is so great. And so they continue going through, sacrificing different aspects of, wait a second, there's red flags here that I'm ignoring, okay? Oftentimes it's because you want to believe an idealized version of that person, even though their actions contradict it. Your mind starts to struggle to be able to reconcile the negative pieces with the positive pieces, the negative aspects with the positive perceptions of like, but it seems this way. He seems act this way. And it puts you in this emotional turmoil. So you're going back and forth of like, I don't know what to believe. Like, this feels great. It doesn't feel great. Moves back and forth. Okay. Think of it this way, like you are stuck in a narcissistic relationship with someone and you're stuck in this relationship and you continue to stay with it with this reoccurring emotional manipulation over and over and over again. You might have got to the place where you convince yourselves, like, hey, their actions, the narcissist actions, are a result of stress, external factors. They're just struggling. They're going through an emotionally immature time. Rather than acknowledging the narcissistic patterns, rather than seeing, wait a second, this is a pattern, not just because they're tense, not just because they're stressed out at work. Because that hasn't always been there, but this person has still shown up this way. Sometimes we see this with, with people that struggle with like alcohol. They're like, okay, we just got to get this fixed. They get the alcohol fixed, and then they're like, wow, they're still abusive. Yeah, because the alcohol wasn't the problem. The alcohol was the cessation of the narcissistic tendencies underneath. Okay, so people experience cognitive dissonance because their desire for love and connection conflicts with the reality of the emotional manipulation. And like, well, I don't want to admit that I'm being emotionally manipulated. So we'll just go with the aspect that it's love, that it's connection. Okay. This is a piece of people sacrifice and miss out on a lot of times. This piece of like, what do I believe? The love part or the reality piece? Getting clear with the facts is the step in the right direction. So that was number one. Number two is this aspect where you start to justify the mistreatment. Okay. This is rationalizing the unacceptable behavior in the relationship. So think of it this way, you start to justify the, the mistreatment by convincing yourself that it's deserved, like I deserve to be treated this way, this is how I grew up, so this just feels natural, this is how like I've been, been in the past relationships, so this feels natural that they would treat me this way, that they would hurt me this way, that they would put me down, feels natural. A lot of times when you come out of a narcissistic household, family, or previous relationship, you're already predisposed to get in with another toxic person. You're like, no, this person's completely different. And then you're with them for a year or so, and you're like, yeah, no, this is exactly the same. Just different different painting, different mask, but exactly the same person. You start to realize that you've justified the mistreatment over and over because you thought that it was deserved, or you thought that it was something that um, was just normal for you. Uh, The other piece is that, oh, it's just temporary. Like this is just the piece we have to go through. This is the price we have to pay to get to the healthy relationship. We have to go through this stressful time, this hard time, this this really bad and negative time to be able to get to this good reality that doesn't happen. So you're going to see this piece of like cognitive dissonance when your partner mistreats you. Like, and instead of acknowledging the mistreatment, you start to convince yourself that you either deserve it or that the partner will change or that it's just like, this is the passing phase that we just have to get through. And I want you you to see and acknowledge is when you do this, you start to discount anything that's happening because you're ignoring truth. You're ignoring the facts of the situation. The facts is how he's mistreating you. The facts is how he's lying to you. The facts are how he's uh, cheating on you. Like, there's so many different aspects of it. Like understanding, hey, I have to get really, really clear on the facts of the situation regardless of what I feel about. It. We have to get the facts first. Otherwise, we'll get be completely confused. And so this piece sometimes comes in while you're trying to protect self-esteem while grappling with the harsh treatment. You're like, I don't know what I need to believe, what I need to do. So think of it this way, like you've gone through the place where you've endured the insults, the belittling, like the putting down And in order to cope, you might be telling yourself, I did something wrong. It's because I looked at him cross-eyed that I get this type of treatment. Like I deserve that because I messed up because I looked at him cross-eyed. That's, that's what's going on. Like, yes, I'm using a silly illustration. Some of you, you might resonate with that illustration because you're like, yeah, no, that happened to me. Cause you've seen it happen you've seen how that person has responded to you when you've done such a slight thing because again it's not about what you're doing it's about what they want okay so you might tell yourself i did something wrong to trigger this it's my fault the rela- the the rationalization that happens here is just temporary it just temporary manages some of the cognitive distance between the love you want and the mistreatment that you endure all right moving on number three sacrificing your own needs this piece comes into the cognitive distance where you're you're struggling to prioritize yourself like there's this piece of like do i prioritize myself or do i prioritize the other person like and oftentimes you get to the place where you're prioritizing the narcissist over your own well-being over what's actually going to help you grow and develop. Now, this is oftentimes because the demand from a narcissist is so excessive. I need your attention, your admiration, your love, your devotion, your servitude, like everything, okay? It has to go back to the narcissist, but it leaves you with nothing, with zero time to be able to prioritize like your needs at all. So as a result, everything leads to the aspect of you struggling of like, wait a second, I have to neglect myself to maintain the relationship. Is that healthy? Well, yeah, it's healthy because it's a relationship. We're in this together, but it goes back and forth. Okay, your desire to please another person starts to conflict with your internal understanding that your own needs actually matter. And what happens is you'll give your own needs up to another person. All right, so think of it this way. You constantly put your partner's desires ahead of your own every single time. Like they might cancel plans or they might compromise boundaries to accommodate like what's actually going on. Like you will do all of these things, you'll cancel your plans, you'll compromise your boundaries to be with this person, even though you know this is actually hurting you. Okay, this piece starts coming up when with recognizing and understanding that actions contradict the belief and the importance of self-care. So like you'll be at the place saying like, I know I need to work on myself, but I don't have time because everything goes to him. Everything goes to that aspect of the relationship. See it over and over and over again. All right. The other piece of uh, uh, number four. Minimizing the emotional pain. Downplaying it. Putting this down. Like the emotional turmoil, the emotional pain is a struggle. But cognitive distance emerges here when you start to put it down. When you start to downplay, minimize. It's not that big of a deal to avoid confronting the harsh reality of a toxic relationship. This is why sometimes my videos are very harsh. I'm just like, he doesn't care. Because he need to wake you up needs you to see like hey the harsh reality that you're living in is actually real this isn't a fairy tale this isn't a dream you're actually living in your own version of hell on earth and until you see that until you wake up to that you will stay stuck this is the piece that we're talking about here okay so in order to cope with the emotional turmoil the duress that's caused by a narcissist, you start minimizing your own suffering It's not that bad. He hasn't hit me yet. At least I'm still alive. Like all these different pieces, you will start to justify in your head that it's okay. Convincing yourself that the pain isn't as bad as what it actually feels. It's not as bad as someone else. It's not as bad as like this. It's not as bad as that. You'll start to minimize it. Downplaying your emotions, downplaying like all the different pieces in your life. And it happens where the narcissist does this to you. And then you start doing it to yourself. This is where it gets really real and where people get out of the relationship and they're still beating themselves up from their head. Because what the narcissist said has been ingrained in you so much that you don't think you're worth anything, that you don't have self-esteem, that you don't have confidence anymore. You're like, I don't understand. How do I even get this back? Maybe you're at the place today where you've experienced a lot of emotional harm, duress, manipulation. And you might be telling yourself today, it's not that bad. Or other people have it much worse. When you minimize the things that are happening in your life, you sell yourself short of the life you actually could have. You start to think and feel that this is all that it's going to be. And it tries to help you cope in the moment between the love you desire and the emotional pain you endure, but it doesn't fix anything, it just leaves you stuck even longer in a toxic relationship. All right, so number five, we're getting through all five. Number five, okay, holding on to this aspect of false hope, clinging on to the hope of change, looking for this, the hope, the potential, thought process. They're gonna get better, they're going to change. And the cognitive distance holds on when you hold on to this piece of false hope that they're gonna change despite the evidence, the evidence of it being contrary. This is where he's been telling you, for years, I'll get into therapy. Has he gotten to therapy? No. Okay, he did get into therapy for one week, then he quit. Then he got into therapy again for two weeks, then he quit. So when you look back, has he been in therapy? No. But he went, so yeah, it counts. No, it doesn't count because it hasn't been consistent. Okay, did he love you like one time in five years or did he love you for five years? There is a difference. So many times we'll try to hold on to one tiny piece being like, oh, this is going to happen. And you hold on to this because you want it. I get it. It's okay that you want it, but it's not okay that you discount the evidence that shows you the exact opposite. Narcissists will oftentimes promise to have change, the promise to have improvement, leading you to hope and think that it's going to change when there's no actions, when there's no evidence of actual transformation in their life at all. This dissonance comes in when you try to reconcile your longing for a better relationship with the reality that change is not happening. Think of it this way. You continually to forgive your partner. Every time he breaks his promise, saying he's going to change, saying he's going to get better, he comes in, he apologizes, said, I'm sorry they yelled at you. I'm sorry they cheated on you. I'm sorry. All these things. And then does it again. But he comes back and he says, sorry, then does it again. Comes back and sweeps under the rug, then does it again. Over and over and over. It's been a repeated pattern. For some of you, this has been a repeated pattern for 5, 10, 20, 30 years. And you're just now watching some of these videos and understanding, hey, I need to actually acknowledge that this has been a pattern. If you don't acknowledge that it's been a pattern, if you don't acknowledge the evidence that's there, you will continue to stay stuck forever. Forever. We see it. So what I'm calling you today is to understand that until you actually look at the relationship, pulling apart your feelings, your desire for love, pulling apart all the different things and looking at it as analytically as you can just for a minute, like just take five minutes and sit down and start writing on what are the facts? Not your feelings, not your emotions, not your truth, not your story, not your perception. What are the facts? What has been demonstrated? What is the evidence? What is the example? What has been actually shown inside the relationship? Write it down over and over and over again. Because until you get clear with the facts, you will not be free. Until you get clear about the situation that you're in, you will not be free. You will stay stuck forever because the facts are the only thing that will set you free from the cognitive dissonance of the two opposing thoughts that you're having to believe in the moment. If you're ready to be free, if you're ready to move forward in your healing, in your growth, in your change, then I want to invite you to go to escapetoxicity.com. It's the first step in you understanding that freedom is possible. You get to see how I teach that and how I walk people through understanding the narcissistic side, understanding the narcissistic mind, getting you to a place where you can ultimately be free. From the thoughts, from the cognizance, from the pieces that wage war in your head that leave you stuck day in, day out. If you haven't already, Take this episode and share it with someone else so they can actually see the differences of the distance that they're stuck in and how to make the next step forward to be free.